Well, just over 12 months ago, the whole world was thrust into deep lockdown, wasn't it? Wasn't last Easter so different to this one? Like, church is not the same on a screen, is it? And it's so good to be here in person and to be celebrating this Easter together. It's a great thing to do. But as I said, just over 12 months ago, it seemed like the world had grinded to a stop because of COVID-19. The stock markets dropped in freefall, while at the same time the hospitals around the world began to fill, to overflowing with people struggling with the disease, struggling to breathe, struggling to defeat this tiny little virus that crippled our world. And if there's one thing that we've learned and are continuing to learn through this whole COVID experience that we've gone through, is that we're not in control. It's a lesson that we as humans struggle to appreciate and accept. You know, as humans, we're amazing creatures, aren't we? We're so clever, we can do so much. We can invent machines that take a remote control car all the way up to Mars, for crying out loud, and then control it and get information from Mars. It's amazing, isn't it? We can do medical marvels like brain surgery and, and open heart surgery or even surgery uh, on the heart without opening it and curing cancer and all sorts of things. Sometimes it feels like there's nothing we're not capable of. And we begin to believe this illusion, this illusion that we're in control. But it's just an illusion. A tiny bug, a nasty little virus, shatters that illusion in a matter of days. Floods shatter that illusion. Fires shatter that illusion that we're in control. And then once again, we have to struggle with this reality. We have to wrestle with this reality that we aren't in control of our own world and our own lives. In the last 12 months, We've seen us long for a number of different things as we've been struggling with this virus as a, as a planet, as humanity. The longing for human contact more than just a face on a screen. The, the longing for connection, the simple joys of sport and community and toilet paper. Remember that? That was so weird, wasn't it? The one thing to drop from the shelves. But if there's one thing that we longed for more than anything else... It's that four-letter word, hope. We hope for a cure. We hope for release from this strange captivity, the restrictions that we're placed in. We we felt this deeply in the midst of lockdown, spare thought for the communities that once again across the world have struggled much more deeply than we have, for longer than we have, more deeply than we have, more repetitively than we have, as France this week has gone into a third national lockdown and so many countries like it. We long for hope here, don't we? We all long for hope. In places like Spain and the US and Chile and Italy and France, that longing has, is, is much more desperate than it is for us. So much death. So much disease, so many lives cut short, so much suffering. The vaccine brings some hope, but it seems just so long in bringing anything lasting and anything significant, doesn't it? And it reminds us that without hope, we flounder. Without hope, we often despair. As humanity, we thrive on hope. We need hope. Hope is the longing for things to be better. Hope is the promise that one day it might be. But when we look at our world, when we think about our own human history, our own broken up, stuffed up world, where seriously can you find hope that is more than just a little bit of wishful thinking? 
I want to put to you that the resurrection that we celebrate today is not just a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. Absolutely it is. That's a massive thing. But with the celebration of the resurrection, we also, I want to suggest to you, we celebrate the resurrection of hope, of true hope, of certain hope. That is so much more than wishful thinking. So this Easter Sunday, I want to reflect on what it is that Jesus had to rise from the dead and ultimately how this resurrection brings us, resurrects for us, the hope we so desperately need and long for. So let's go back to that first Easter Sunday. Let's see this wonderful event unfold, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the defeat of death. Verse 1, we see it's very early on, on that first Easter Sunday. The sun's barely over on the horizon and these women didn't have the benefit of an extra hour's sleep because daylight saving had finished. And so they're up really early in the morning. They, uh, they had spices to pour over Jesus' body. The man that they'd loved, the man that they'd followed, the man that they were devoted to, they saw brutally and shamefully and unjustly murdered. But when they came to the tomb... They saw something surprising, something completely unexpected. The stone was rolled away. The tomb of Jesus was empty. They're they're scared. They're shocked. They're confused. And in this confusion, they're confronted by two men in shining clothes. If you've got your Bibles, make sure you have them open. We're going to be spending our time in Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 5, where these angels say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while I was, he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Can you see what these angels are saying? Jesus had to die. Jesus had to rise from the dead. It's a must. This should not have been a surprise. They should have known this was coming. And we see this again when Jesus meets two blokes walking on the road to Emmaus. Now, these two men were sad, they were depressed. They'd had high hopes for Jesus. They they knew him so well. They hung off his every word. They'd watched him do wonders. They saw him heal a blind man and make him see. They saw him heal a lame man and make them walk and a deaf man and make him hear. They loved this man. They devoted the last few years to following this man. They pinned all their hopes and dreams on Jesus. He was their king, their promised Messiah. But then all these hopes and dreams had been horrifically shattered as they saw him die and laid in a tomb. And so all their hopes and dreams are buried and they begin to walk away from those shattered hopes. They walk home, determined to start their life again, determined to walk away from these dreams that have gone into the grave. But the risen Jesus sidles up to them and these two men fail to recognise him in their grief and in their sorrow that morning. And don't you love how Jesus just plays dumb as he speaks with these guys and just pretends that he doesn't know anything that's happened? And they begin to empty out all their hopes and dreams that have been lost. We hoped he was going to be the king. We hoped he was going to be the Messiah, the king of Israel. But he died. And then the women, they come and they say that the tomb is empty but, and they can't find the body. And then Jesus rebukes them in verse 25 where he says, How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe 
all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And we see, once again, Jesus had to die. Jesus had to rise from the grave. It was necessary. But why? That's what I want to look at tonight, uh, today. Because, and because it's Easter Sunday, I want to focus on the resurrection. Why did Jesus have to rise? Why was it a necessity? The first reason that's going to come up on the screen with the, head, with the headings, the headings are going to come up. Uh, the first reason is for fulfilment. It had to happen because God said it would. That'll come up in a few slides later on, Paul. One more. Yep. That's it. God said he would. Jesus had to rise because he said he would. Uh, and also God said he would. We saw it in that last verse. Jesus said, How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. God said this would happen. Uh, a passage, uh, there's a few passages in the Old Testament where it promises the resurrection. And one is, the most clearest is in Isaiah 53. Have a look at these verses on the screen. Keep in mind that this is written well over 500 years before Jesus died and rose again. And here we see a prophecy that one would die for the sake of his people and then he would rise from the grave. Verse 5 but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. In verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. There we see the promise of crucifixion, the promise of the death of the Messiah. Then verse 11, after the suffering of his soul, here we see the resurrection, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Jesus had to die this way. He had to rise again because that's what God said would happen so many hundred years before. It's an amazing promise, isn't it? And not just that, at least three times, as we saw on the kids' talk, at least three times Jesus had said this was going to happen. He was going to be betrayed in Jerusalem. He was going to be handed over. He was going to die. And then he was going to rise again on the third day. Jesus said it. So it had to happen. But is there a deeper reason? Is it just because God said it would? Is it just a display of power to show fulfilment of God's promises? No, it's more than that. There's deeper reasons, which comes to our second reason, Death itself. Jesus had to rise to defeat death. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then death still reigns. Death still conquers us. Death is still the end. Death will always laugh at us because there's nothing we can do to get ourselves from underneath the power of death. For those guys on the road to Emmaus, if Jesus had not risen, then all was lost. All their hopes had gone into a grave and that was it. They thought death had defeated their only hope for life and meaning in a world that was so full of wrong and grief. They'd seen death swallow up their great hope. That's what they thought. But they were wrong. Death didn't have the last say. Jesus defeated death that day. We spend our whole lives, you know, trying to live longer, don't we? Trying to live better, to cheat death a few more years. We pump our bodies with medicine, we try to eat better, get exercise. As I get older and see my doctor more often, he's telling that to me more often. But we all die. No matter how much we try to stave it off, we all die. But Jesus died and then rose again. He laughed at death. He conquered death. 
And we, we see him laugh at death a number of times, even when he walked this earth before he died himself. In Luke 7, Jesus sees a funeral procession of a young man. He goes up and he touches the coffin in the midst of this procession and he calls out, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man came out of the coffin in the midst of the procession that day. And the whole procession saw it. One chapter later, chapter 8, Jesus went to the room of a young girl, his parents grieving behind him. The young girl was dead on the bed. And Jesus had the hide to say this. He said, my child, get up. And she did. From the grave. Have you ever wanted to do that? Have you ever wanted to bring someone back from the dead? Last year, for the 40th birth, uh, for her 40th birthday, Kane West gave his wife Kim Kardashian a message from heaven. At least that's what Kim called it. Uh, it was a holographic video message of her father, who died back in 2003. And in the video message, Kane had her father, through this hologram, tell Kim that from heaven he watches over her and loves who she has become. And is so proud of her and, and thinks that, he, that she has married the most genius man in the whole world. No self-interest in this present at all. Now, this present was an expensive gift. This message from the other side. This message from the grave, apparently. But it's not a message from the other side, is it? It's just a hologram. A trick of technology. That's all it was. And if you want to look it up, you can actually see it on YouTube. The message of Kim Kardashian's dad. My dad died 16 and a half years ago. He died suddenly overseas of a heart attack. I had no chance to say I love you. I had no chance, well again, I had no chance to say goodbye. I wish I could bring him back. I wish I could say those words. But I can't. But Jesus is one who defeated death, who died and returned. And it's no holographic technological trickery. He rose, he ate, he was touched, he spoke, was recognised by 500 at once. He showed he could defeat death by raising others from the dead, but these were just small signs of a greater victory over death that he would win in his own resurrection as he conquered death once and for all, never to die again. Jesus truly does bring us a message from the other side of the grave as the one who has defeated death. And he said that if we trust him, this resurrection, this defeat of death can be ours as well if only we would repent of our sins of our rebellion against God and find forgiveness in his death and resurrection. If we trust in Jesus, when we die, we can laugh at death too. We can laugh with him at the power of death because because of him we've conquered it too. Well, he's conquered it for us and we will rise with him on that last day. And we know this is true. This, this is not the empty promise of some charlatan. No, this is a certain promise of the one who died and rose again. It's a certain promise, a certain as the grave is empty. You see, if, if death is all there is, if we die and that's it, we just go into the grave and there's nothing more, if that's all we have, then there's no hope. 
Everything we live for in this life is, in the end, swallowed up by death, isn't it? Any hope that we might have doesn't last, can't last, because death always wins, if that's all there is. We might hope for a better life, we might work hard for it, a life free from struggle, a life free from pain. We might help others to try and do the same, uh, to conquer the fears, to get through suffering and trouble, um, and to seek to conquer injustice and poverty and even heal diseases. If we can give our lives to that sort of a hope, but everybody we help will die, and we will too, and so all those hopes ended in the grave anyway. That's all we're left with, if death is all there is. Death sucks the meaning and the hope out of life. Jesus' victory over death is a resurrection of hope and meaning and purpose for us in Christ. In this world and also in the life to come, that's why Jesus had to rise. But Jesus' victory over death was, Jesus' victory on the resurrection wasn't just a victory over death, There's more going on as well. Jesus' victory over death is a sign of a greater victory. Through his resurrection, he has conquered the problem of sin. Have a look at uh, verse 46 of chapter 24 of Luke. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Again, we see the necessity of the resurrection. This had to happen, but we also see why. So that the forgiveness of sins could be preached to all. So forgiveness of sins has been won in the death and resurrection of Jesus. He defeats the power of sin. What is this sin that he has defeated, that he's conquered? Well, an an easy way to understand sin is this. Sin is saying, God, rack off. God, no. That's what sin is. That is very hard. Saying no to God. God is the rightful Lord of our life. He's our creator and our judge. And sin is saying, no, no, I want to be the one who decides for myself what's right and what's wrong. I want to be the one who's the ruler of my life, decides how I'm going to live my life my way. I want to be the boss. It might be expressed in outright and vocal rejection of God and his authority as our maker and our judge. Or it might be expressed in something just as bad, and that is indifference. Saying, oh yeah, I know God's there, but I just don't really care. What he says doesn't matter. What he says is relevant to me. It's a very arrogant thing to say to the creator of the universe, isn't it? To our creator and judge. And he rightly gets angry, and that's why we die. Death is God's judgment on us for our treatment of him. And like any good penalty, the punishment fits the crime. We tell God, God, get out of my life, rack off. And so he says, well, that's what you want, that's what you get. But the thing is, he is the source of life. And so life without him is death. And so he gives us what we want. It's It's a righteous and just judgment that he gives us that we deserve. And so we're stuck. We're stuck in sin, we're stuck in condemnation, we're stuck under God's judgment, but Jesus comes and defeats, conquers the power of sin. How? By making forgiveness possible by paying the penalty that we couldn't pay, taking the death that's ours to take so that we can be forgiven. Jesus had to rise because if he didn't rise, then our sin is still in front of God's face, accusing us, condemning us, 
Jesus' resurrection tells us that the penalty has been paid. All we need to do is say sorry, accept his offer of forgiveness in Christ and recognise and ask his help to live with him as our Lord and King. Jesus had to rise because if this world is all we have, we're in a meaningless, hopeless, confusing world with no answers, just the frustration of a world that we know isn't right. We know it in our hearts that this place is wrong. There's something wrong with this world. And the resurrection of Jesus lets us know that our suspicions about what's wrong with this world is right. That we were meant for more. That we were created to be in relationship with our living God for eternity. We were created to be with him. The resurrection of Jesus shouts loud and clear that our great longing for hope has been answered by God. We don't need to settle for empty dreams and and shattered hopes, shattered by grief and pain and sadness and in the end by death. The only way hope can be more than just wishful thinking and empty platitudes is if death has been conquered. And that's what we celebrate this Easter and every Easter. And we can celebrate it every day. Why don't you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for the wonder of the resurrection. We thank you that it shouts loud and clear that this is not all there is, that this broken world isn't just the end. Father, we thank you for the hope of eternal life. We thank you that it's a hope that is grounded in the historical resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've raised him from the grave. And thank you for the promise of our own resurrection. And thank you that our hope is not just wishful thinking, but it's real and it's certain as the grave is empty. We thank you for that wonderful hope. And we pray that we would never let go of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.